notice that in the air it's starting to feel like summer's over. Oh my goodness, it's coming. It's coming. Snow is coming. Yes, I use the S word. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it up to you this morning. Because before we go to the word, I'm just going to show you some a beautiful picture. Cheryl, if we could have that first picture. Isn't that nice? Sunshine, a beach, water. Looks so serene, so peaceful. I know some of you are like, why am I here? Because you made the right choice. You know, we can, we can vacate. We can go on vacations and uh, come back to the same mess. Or we can spend time with God and know whatever mess that is going on, God, if we'll let him, can be in the midst of it and turn it into a great testimony and message of his goodness and his, his faithfulness and of his love. Amen? How many of you have seen God moving in your life recently? You've got a testimony that you can share with people. Listen, and I, I notice hands go down at that point because nobody wants to get pulled up. But uh, I, I want you to realize that that's part of what we're here to do every day. We're here to share the message of the life of Jesus, what he's done in our lives, the truth about what he did on the cross, but how that affects our lives personally and practically every day. Because people, people may have heard about Jesus, but when they hear what he's done in your life, it's another draw towards him, another, another step towards him. So we need to be always aware of that. And, and this, this uh, picture of the ocean, one of the things that Debbie and I love to do is go to the ocean. Now, she always tells me that there are negative ions that are very good for you. Did you know that? Did you know at the ocean there are negative ions? Do you know why? Because the surf is always breaking, and because of the, the action of the surf and the air, there are negative ions that are put out, and it's supposed to make you feel better. I don't even have to go to the beach. If I just look at the beach or listen to the sound of the beach, I feel better. But, but this morning, you know, we could be in a place like this, and, and it's, you know, it's not overwhelming with the waves, it's inviting to go in, but I've got to tell you something, that the picture you are, that you are looking at is a very dangerous location, very dangerous. And there's a reason behind that, because of, of a current, a current that, which is a movement, a flow in a direction with speed and with power, and, you know, many times you don't see it. You don't recognize it, but before you know it, you get caught in it. And this is what's called a rip current, all right? If you go to the next one, there we go. A rip current is, is a, a location on a beach, and there are various places along beaches at the ocean, and there are rip currents that are in rivers. 
that pull. They exert a force with a speed that pull people away. You can see the way, where the rip current goes, it goes out. And, and there are, t at times, signs posted. But how many of you know people don't always read signs? We know that here because we put up signs in the foyer and people will not read them and say, well, I never heard about that. And, and you know, we, we look at what we look at and we're, we're uh, noticing what's important to us. But I want you to realize that if we don't recognize what's going on, it could be costly, it could be deadly. More rescues than any other thing in the ocean are due to rip currents. 80 to 90% of all rescues are because of rip currents. And what we see is they take people out away from the beach. How many of you, if you didn't recognize that you were in the water and you're just kind of floating along, maybe on a raft or maybe just floating on your own, and you turn around and you look and all of a sudden you're farther from the beach than you ever expected to be. Now, if you've never experienced that, that's great. I'm really happy for you. But I have, and people in my family have, where all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh. And the immediate response to that that kicks in is, what, what do you think? Yeah, I got to get back to the beach, right? We get a little panicky, we're out farther, and so we want to get back to the beach, and what do we do? Man, we start to swim for everything in us back to the beach. But that is one of the things that causes people great problems. It's what we think is right. It's what we think we ought to do. But we wear ourselves out trying to go against something that we don't have the power to go against. There are very few people that can actually overcome a rip current and gain ground on it. And so as much as we try, as hard as we try, as much as we want to make it back to the beach, we can't do it in the grip of a rip current. And if a lifeguard sees somebody out in a rip current, they will give them directions or they will get in if they don't take the directions. And the only way, to, there are two ways to get out of a rip current. Go ahead and show the next one. You either swim parallel to the beach, which is counterintuitive because we want to get back to the beach, and we need to swim out of the, that flow that's outward or go with the flow, which a lot of people do. But you find yourself way, way, way out from the beach, which now you need to swim back. Or the lifeguard has to come out. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you this morning is because it has great application to what we're going to be talking about. You know, when we go up to the beach, we don't necessarily see everything that's there. We don't understand everything that's there. It's like us walking through life. We don't see or understand everything that's going on. There are a lot of traps the enemy's setting. How many of you know that? He's relentless. We saw that with Jesus last week. We looked at the temptation of Jesus and how one after another after another the enemy tempted him. But Jesus never, never succumbed to the, 
the temptation and sin. How did he keep himself free from being drawn into sin by the temptation? He said it's written, right? And one thing we didn't go over last week is when he said it's written, it was for a number of purposes. Number one, the purpose of him saying it is written was he clearly identified what was his priority, what he was depending on, what he was trusting in. And so he said, it is written. It reminded him of what the word of God says. God's will and God's word. Number two, it very quickly revealed to the enemy what his reference point was. And then he obeyed it, what the word he quoted said. And in that situation, even though the enemy time and time again tempted him, he eventually got to the place where he left him. And in, in the Gospel of Luke, this account of Jesus' temptation, it says he left him for a more opportune time. Because he's always going to tempt us. As long as you or I are in this earth, the enemy has a right. He has a right to tempt us. And we have a right and a choice to submit to God and then resist him and see him flee. Now, we've been studying the Lord's Prayer, the example that he gave us, and, and I thought we were done. But we weren't. And, and so I just want to go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. The second part of this, it says, now, now we, we realized that many translations say, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But a better translation is, don't help us not to yield to the temptation when it comes. You know, this is... This is a partnership. God can't make us not yield, but God is there to help us go the right direction. Amen? See, God doesn't control our lives. The enemy wants to control our lives. And God wants to be the greatest influence in our lives because that will influence us to an abundant life. And the enemy wants to rob us of abundant life and of peace and of joy. And we, we, we stand there and make a choice what we're going to give ourselves to, what we're going to follow, what we're going to be influenced by, what we're going to be focused on and what we're going to be pursuing, what we're going to value more. And Jesus showed us, you value God, you value his word, you value his way, you do his will. And there'll be a victory. But this second part, it says, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Deliver us from the evil one. So we're, we're, we're not to yield. God, help us not yield when we're tempted and deliver us. Now, this morning, we're going to look at the word deliver and we're going to understand this 
in light of what I showed you with currents. But before we do, I just want to pray so if you'd bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. There's no place we can go that you're not there. Thank you for Holy Spirit being in residence, living in us, your children. Because, Father, wherever we go, your kingdom really is at hand. But whether it's manifest and revealed the way you have designed and desired it to be through our lives and in our lives is a choice we make daily, many times. And so today, Father, we choose to look to you and listen for you to speak to our hearts, our lives, our circumstances and situations and help us, help us understand Help us to have knowledge and wisdom in how to walk out each day with you and for your glory and impacting the people that you so love you gave your only begotten son for. Father, we thank you for your word going forth today. We thank you for your spirit giving revelation as we it to our life, we experience transformation and go from glory to glory. So Lord, our ears are open to you. Our hearts are open to you. Speak to us concerning your truth, your way, your life. We thank you, Father, for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. so deliver us from the evil one. That's, that's something I want. I don't want the evil one to take advantage, but he's always out there looking. The Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. A couple of weeks ago when Frank was teaching, he shared some information about that. If you didn't hear it, you need to go listen to the message. It's important because so many people are afraid of the devil. And with good reason, some should be because Jesus isn't their Lord. But as a Christian, we have no fear of the devil. He is a defeated foe. God's given you as his child power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing by any means would harm you. God has given you the victory that every day you can show forth the victory over the enemy, over sin, over hell, over death, and over the grave. But we've got to believe it. We've got to know it. We've got to believe it. And sometimes we get sucked in, even as what the Bible says we are, overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things. We get sucked in by the temptation. And we get tripped up and ensnared by the sin. And even being drawn that way, there's an influence starting to happen in our lives that is not of God. How many of you know we have influences all the time in our lives that are not God and that are not good? They're always acting on our lives, and we don't always see it, we don't always recognize it, but it still happens, just like that rip current that you can get into the water thinking, you know, I'm just going to have a good time. I'm going to be refreshed. I'm just going to float here for a few minutes and just chill. And before you know it, you're being drawn out to the ocean. 
And how many of you know there are things in the ocean that can do you some damage? Right? And now you're getting farther and farther from the shore. And unless you've turned around to look at the shore, you don't realize how far and how fast you're going out. You've got to have a reference point. And there are times in our lives as Christians that there's the pull, the current of temptation pulling on us. And we're getting drawn out deeper and deeper and deeper, faster and faster and faster. And when it says deliver us, that, that word deliver is a word that means to rescue, to draw out away from danger or calamity. And it carries the idea of being freed from a current. That's why we started talking about currents this morning. And so there are currents in this world. We know that there are air currents, there are water currents, there are spiritual currents that are pulling us this way and that way. And if they are not what God has for us, the spirit of God, the current of God, the flow of God in our lives, then we're being pulled out deeper and deeper into danger and calamity by the enemy. And we need to be aware of it. We need to be aware of how can we, how can we escape this current that we weren't even aware was working in our lives, but now it's gripped us. And we've got to be able to get free. The Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But even having the spirit of God in us, we can be imprisoned through temptation and sin. But God can set us free from that prison. God can walk us out just like Paul when they were singing at night. They were in the prison singing at night and God shook the prison. And all the chains fell off and the doors opened up and they could have walked out. I want you to know that with God, all things are possible. But we've got to be cooperating with God to get free. Because we can't do this on our own, just like with that rift current. Somebody can't just try to power through on their own and swim against the current. They're going to wear themselves out and eventually get to the place where they're going to be in need of somebody saving them, rescuing them, because their strength is gone. Now, I look around, and, and I don't know everybody here, but you look like a healthy group. And, and I do know some of you because I'm in the gym with you and some of these people are just amazingly strong. But it doesn't matter how strong any of us are individually or all of us are collectively. Our strength compared to God is ridiculously weak. Do you agree? Because if you don't, we need to pray for you. But, but that's where God's word tells us this isn't, this isn't 
This isn't about you trying harder. You know, that's one of the big trip-ups that we have. We, we do something, we get pulled by the current of temptation, and we get trapped by the sin, and we cry out to God, and, and we, we repent, we turn around and go the way God has for us to go, and, and all of a sudden, on our way back, we're, we're kind of like the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son found himself in a pig pen, eating what the pigs ate. That, no Jewish boy was supposed to be around pigs. And he came to himself. There was an aha moment, and he said, well, you know what? I need to get back to my father's house. And as he was going back to his father's house, he rehearsed what he was going to say to his dad. Dad, I don't deserve to be a son. I, I've done horrible things to you, and, and I've done horrible things. And, and so just let me be a servant in your house. You know, that's not too much different than us when we're returning from our sin. God set us free and we're like, God, I, I, I'm so sorry. God, I'll, I'll never do that again. I promise I'll try harder. But it's what we feel. God, I'll try harder. I really, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it. I didn't mean to do this. I'll try harder, God, please, please. But how many of you know, no matter how much we try, we never can go the distance. We always get to the limit. Every one of us here has limits in every area of our lives. But we have the unlimited God in us and with us and for us. And the moment we realize this isn't a, I'll try harder, it's a, I'll trust more. I'll cooperate with you, Lord, more. I'll collaborate with you. I want to be involved in what you're doing because what you're doing brings life. And none of us here this morning or you at home can say, you know what? The things that I do always bring life. Because if you are thinking that, the, that, you know, not everything, but, you know, a good percentage of the things I do bring life, you're deceived. Because if it isn't originated and it isn't in line with God and his word and his ways, it's not going to bring anything of eternal value. It'll be good for the moment. But you are an eternal creature. You are going to be going on forever through eternity, either with God or away from God. And as a child of God, you're going to be with God. But that's where we've got to realize this is all because of what he can do, not us. And even in that, God told Israel, and he's telling us today in Zechariah, Chapter 4, I think, hold on, 4, verse 6. It says, this is the message from the Lord. Your help will not come from your own strength and power. I'm going to read that again. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen and let this sink in. Your help will not come from your own strength 
empowered. Now open your eyes. This is what the Lord's saying. Does the Lord ever say anything that's not true? No. It says, no, your help will come from my spirit. This is what the Lord, all-powerful. Remember what Taylor said about all, 100%. 100% powerful. He said, your help is not going to come from your effort, your education, your resources, any of you. But it's going to come from my spirit, and we know because of now where we're living in time, the Spirit of God has come to reside in God's people. Back when this was written, that didn't happen. The Spirit of God didn't reside in people. He would come upon, but he wouldn't live in. And now the Spirit of God lives in us as believers. And he says that, that's the power. That's the means by which you'll be able to overcome. Another translation said, it's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But how many of you know the Spirit of God is one of the three of the Trinity, and just like God the Father will never force anything on us, and God the Son will never make us do anything, God the Spirit won't force us either. But what he will do is convict us. He'll get us to be aware that we're out of alignment, that we need to adjust, we need to realign with God because we're, we're, we're getting too full of ourselves. You know, the most dangerous time in our lives is right after a victory, right after a breakthrough. In those moments, it's like, woohoo! God is so good. Look what he did in my life. And we're tempted. We're tempted to coast. Because of what we, we collaborated with God, we, we partnered with God to bring that to pass because we had to let God have his way and we had to do our part in what he had. And all of a sudden, his breakthrough, his life, his joy, his peace, his freedom begins to be manifest in our life, and we think, I'm glad I'm through that. Or am I the only one that does that? And all of a sudden, I just want to take a breather. And then I want to look back and celebrate what's been done. And sometimes I think, I've thought, wow, look what we did. but more on the me than the we. That was a tough battle, but gosh, I got through it. The only way you and I get through anything is by God, is by God. And just like that rip current, we can't try and do it on our own. He said it's not. Your help is not going to come from your strength and your power. Your help is going to come from my spirit. Which means we need to be more sensitive to Holy Spirit than we do to anything else going on. And that's a discipline. Because when stuff is going on, we are zeroing in on it. If you're in a difficult time, 
You look at what's going on. And then sometimes we do that little inventory. Man, I'm not feeling up to this. Pretty tired. I'm, 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 I'm really, really uh, unhappy. I'm really, uh, I, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm all this. I'm not up for this. But who are we looking at? Your help isn't going to come from your strength and your power. Don't look at you. Don't look at, at what's going on around you. Your, your help isn't going to come from that. You know, as a kid growing up, I used to watch all the, the uh, cowboy shows. And I have a picture of myself that no one will see. Of me in my cowboy outfit. I had the chaps with the little fringe. And my boots. And my guns. And my vest. And my hat. And I would play cowboy. And, and do you know when I would see the shows and somebody was in trouble, they'd always kind of take a, a shot of the horizon. Somebody's coming. I want you to know somebody's already there. You don't have to wait for him to come. He is there with you. He is there for you. But he will not force you to partner with him. That's a choice. We all have to be very, very intentional and aware that we need to make hundreds of times a day. And so he says, it's not by might or by power, it's by my spirit. And, and God's word tells us about the spirit of God. And we're going to look very quickly at three scriptures Galatians 5.25, Romans 8.14, and Galatians 6.8. And this is what it says. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is talking about the life that God has for us as believers. We can't do it without the Spirit of God. And we're never without the Spirit of God. So we can't do it without partnering. Without yielding to the Spirit of God. Because we found out a couple of weeks ago... That the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. But the way the enemies run off is we submit to God. The way we experience this life is we walk with the Spirit of God. And you may say, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. How did you learn to walk as a human being? Trial and error, right? None of you just popped up and said, hey, this is great. No, you, 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 you crawled. Some of you scooched. You grabbed onto something to hold onto and you got up and tested it. Took those steps and fell. But got back up. You didn't quit. And that's why you walked in here today because you didn't quit. And sometimes in spiritual things, well, I didn't get it. I, I, I just, I can't, I'll never get it. No, that's not true. God is for you and with you. And nothing can stand against you unless you choose to give up. The thing the enemy is after more than anything else in your life and my life as a Christian is for us to quit. Quit. I give up. I can't do it. 
One of those statements is almost true. You can't. It's not by your might or by power. Your help will not come through your strength or your power. Your help will come from his spirit. And God, in his absolute mercy, grace, and generosity, didn't say, you got to get to church for my spirit to work. You got to spend 30 hours a week in prayer for my spirit to work. No, he said, you know what? I'm going to make sure nobody is able to be separated from what I have provided for them to overcome. He put his spirit in us. And everywhere you go, everything you encounter, you have more than enough to be able to overcome. But the question is, who are we going to rely on? Who are we going to choose to yield to, submit to, follow? Because that's very important. Because most of us choose to submit to and follow ourselves, our own ideas, our own perceptions, our own understanding. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge him. Turn to him and request of him. God, I, I want to know what you have in this situation. And he'll direct your steps. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. It's, it's a walk. Everyday walk with the Spirit of God. And, and getting to know Him and being led by Him and influenced by Him and understanding when, when that's happening. I'll tell you, it, 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 just like any relationship, it takes time. It takes investment. It takes a willingness to listen and be available. Then it goes on to say in verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And when it says sons of God, it means builder of the family name. How many of you know all of us will either increase how people positively look at our families, a family name, or we can diminish how people look at a family because of our actions? Hello? Yeah. And I don't want to be somebody in the family of God that diminishes how people look at God. But I can. And I have. And I don't want to do it again. And the only way I can be assured that I'm not is I'm led by the Spirit of God. The only way we can be assured that we're not is we're led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Power. All power. What kind of power do you need? What kind of resources do you need? I want you to know it's already available to every one of us as believers all the time. But are we seeking God first? Or are we going online to seek Wisdom and direction and guidance from what's online or our best friend or whoever. Listen, if we're not seeking God first, we're already out of order. 
It goes on to say in verse 8 of Galatians chapter 6, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest. Now we know the Bible says as long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. We know the Bible says as you sow, you'll what? Reap. And this says those who live to please the Spirit will harvest what? Everlasting life. Isn't, isn't that what, what all of us want? This everlasting, it's all connected to the Spirit of God. Because in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, what does truth do? Sets you free and keeps you free. You'll know the truth, and that word know means to apply the truth. When, when we really know something, there's an application in our lives. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It'll set you free, and it'll keep you free. When that current of temptation, when that current of sin, when that current of worldliness begins to pull on us, and we don't even know it. We don't see it happening, but we sit down in front of our TVs, we read all sorts of printed things, and there's a current that starts to want to have influence on us. From the world, the kingdom of darkness, and we don't even recognize it, and we're starting to get pulled. Pulled. out farther and farther away from God. Well, does that mean you aren't going to heaven? No, you're going to go to heaven, but you'll go through hell before you get there. God has for you to be an overcomer, which means you're going to encounter things that need to be overcome. But we can be of good cheer, Jesus said, for I've overcome the world. Every temptation he overcame and with that victory, he wants to give it to you. But how does he do it? He does it through his spirit and his word. And yet many of us constantly, whether we're, we didn't understand this, we didn't know it, or we're just self-reliant. And you know, in our world, that's, that's a, a big deal. You're, well, I'm self-sufficient. Well, I'm a self-starter. You know what? Jesus said, I do nothing except what the Father shows me. I've not come to do my own will. And so we, we need to realize that these currents in our world that are pulling us out deeper and deeper, farther and farther away from where we really need to be. We need to be delivered. We need to be brought out of that current. And the way God does it is through his spirit and his word. And you don't want to wait for the big currents to grab you and pull you under to finally say, well, you know, I need to, I need to, I need to follow the spirit of God. If you get pulled under in the water, you have trouble thinking of anything but the next breath. And it's the same way in the spirit. When we're engaged in really difficult things, it's hard to be calm enough 
to listen for the Spirit of God, the guidance of the Spirit of God. We need to do that in the calm, easy times. See, this is a battle. And, and spiritual warfare is real, but I want to tell you something. A lot of the things that you hear about spiritual warfare are not biblical. They're emotional. They're sensational. But I'll tell you, when you look at Jesus' life, did he battle de demonic powers? Do you see him doing a lot of the stuff that we're told to do by a lot of different people? No. And last week I, I did say something, that if you really know and really have authority, you don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to be demonstrative. Because you're secure in who you are and whose you are. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 real quickly to look at this because we need to understand how this, this kind of thing works. And, and it says a final word. The Apostle Paul writes this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We need to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. That means that we recognize, comparatively, he's got it all. But he wants us all. So that with all he has, we mesh with him. And just like Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, which is easy, my burden, which is light. He wants us to be connected in communion, in life, so that when we go through life, he's doing the heavy stuff. God didn't tell us to do miracles, because we can't. God didn't tell us to make healings happen, because we can't heal people. But God has told us that we need to come to him and trust in him because he is the miracle worker. He is the healer. He is the liberator. He is the life giver. He is the joy giver. He is the peace giver. He is the hope giver. None of, us, none of this originates in us. But when we connect with him, and rely on him and trust in him and rest in him, all of this becomes ours too. And we can't get it any other way. We can get temporary joy and temporary peace and temporary hope and temporary healing. But we get the real deal with God. He's the only one. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And when he says that, we need to realize that means when something happens, we can't take credit for it. And shouldn't. Then in verse 11 through 13 in the message translation, it says, So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best material, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws at you. What has God given us? God's given us his son, right? 
And so we have Jesus as our Lord. But we have the name of Jesus that we can use. It's powerful. We have the word of God that will never return void. That God watches over to perform. We have the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. We have the armor of God. And and you may never have heard of this, but you need to read about this and, and go back. After today, go back and read in this area of the scriptures and see about what it says about the armor that God's given us. It's all about the attributes that he has so willingly and generously made available to us. It goes on to say, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from, forget about in a couple of hours. Now, this is key because so many times we... And I can't express how grateful we are that you would come to church. You made a choice this morning whether to be here or not. You, you could have gone to the beach like I showed you a picture of. Gotten caught in a rip current and had the lifeguard rescue you. But you came here and that was a good choice. But one of the things that shouldn't happen is once we get out the door, we're on our way to do what we have planned. You know, lunch... And, and football games and, and out in the park and this and that, and we forget about what God spoke to us here. Or we have our quiet time with God in the morning or in the evening, and all of a sudden we go through our day and we forget about the deposit God made in us prior to what we encountered that we needed to be able to overcome because it's not by our power, our might, but it's by his spirit, and his spirit reminds us of the word. Goes on to say, be prepared. Oh, this is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You are up against far more than you can handle on your own. Now, I could ask you today, how many of you feel like you are up against far more than you can handle on your own? And I think all of us at one time or another would say, you know, that's exactly where I was or where I am. And so when God's word tells us this, we need to take note because he doesn't tell us to cause us to feel defeated. He wants to cause us to realize that he knows and he's got a provision for us. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting. Oh, I like that. When it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Amen? Because the enemy is under your feet. As a child of God, you're the body of Christ. Jesus has triumphed over all the power of the enemy. That means wherever you are in the body of Christ, you're still above the defeated enemy. And you don't have to be afraid of a defeated foe. The only thing the enemy has to be able to get at you and me is deception, temptation, 
these types of things that will cause us to give up what is already ours and think we need more than what God's given us, just like Adam and Eve. And then move in a direction that draws us away. We get gripped in this current of temptation and entrapped in sin. In verse, verse 12 in the New Living Translation, it says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I, I, I am rapidly running out of time this morning, but I've got to tell you something. This is a key for how you deal with people that are dealing with you. It doesn't matter who does what to you. You need to understand that person is not your enemy. That person is the beloved of God. Well, they're not saved. They're still the beloved of God. God loves these people so much. He gave his son for them. And the moment we look adversarially at that person and we try and fight against that person, we're like what Paul said he didn't do. Paul said, I fight not as one who beats the air. When he fought, his punches landed. His efforts, God-directed efforts, accomplished things. He wasn't just out there. And so many Christians are doing that because they're fighting against that other human being and that other human being isn't the problem. That other human being is priceless to God. And it's what's behind that. What's, what's the current that's moving them, that's controlling them? It says our fight isn't against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Now, there's a problem there. How can you fight an enemy you can't see? You got to do it. You got to fight the enemy. But the way we fight the enemy is we submit to God. A God that we don't see, but we know because of the Bible, because of what we see in each other, the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the peace, the love, the joy. And so we embody that, we embrace that, and we're not fighting against these, un, we are fighting against these unseen, but not as one that beats the air. Against these mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. That's enough to give you nightmares. If you didn't realize all of these are part of a defeated army. We don't have to fear anything. That's why God in his word tells us, fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not. One of these days, we're going to get it. And when fear comes at us, we say, nope, there's no room in me for fear because I'm full of the Spirit of God, of the joy of God, of the peace of God, of the Word of God, of the hope of God. And I did it before you showed up. There is a battle, but it's already been won. 
The victory is what we have the opportunity to walk in. And yet there are times we struggle. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10, this was a struggle Paul had. It's the thorn in the flesh. And, and many people have many ideas of what it is. And you know what? You, you really can't tell, but there's some indicators in the scriptures that kind of show us what, what Paul was dealing with. But it says this, concerning the thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. You know, God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we ask him to answer them because he's God. And we need to let him be God. He has the best way to do it. And God's not as interested in our deliverance in something as our growth through something. Because everything we're in, we can grow through. We can grow to know God better. We can grow to understand how incapable we are of ourselves, not in a demeaning way, but in a freeing way, that we can rely on God all the time. And, and we can grow in seeing the enemy's tactics. And all of those we need to grow in. I pleaded three times that it might depart from me, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength... Whose strength are we going to get help from? God's. His strength and his power, not our strength and power. He said, my strength is made perfect or full or complete in weakness. Now, how many of us here this morning say, that doesn't make sense? How can strength be absolutely full in weakness? Because God, who lives in us, weak, frail, flawed, and failing vessels, can work miraculous things in and through. He can impart and empower us with anything, if he chooses to. But we need to be confident no matter what we encounter, that if we'll just look to God, he will deliver us. He will draw us through that which is trying to draw us away. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, something that is somewhat difficult to be able to grasp. But when we acknowledge we're not able, guess what we immediately do? We start to look for somebody who is. I had a problem with my vehicle. It was making a noise. A very loud noise. And I needed somebody to help me with it because I know where the gas goes. I know how to open the doors. Beyond that, that's it. And so I took it to somebody and they said, what's it sound like? I said, it sounds like a noise. <laughs> he didn't think it was humorous. He said, what kind of noise? Why, it's a noise noise. He said, does it sound like an airplane? I said, yes. Yes, behind me. He said, it's wheel bearings. 
Uh-oh. You know what I know about wheel bearings? Nothing but what he told me. And I needed somebody that could do what I couldn't do. Now, there are people out there that can do that. I can't. But the moment I realize I can't, I am going to search out who can. Who's going to be able to do it? And we've got to get to the place where we're not trying to show how great we are. Because we know how great he is. And so in that moment where we're, we're in a situation, we're being drawn out. The rip has got us. Man, I'm not trying to do this, God. I know you can and I can if I look to you and I rely on you and I trust in you and I obey you. And before you know it, God's, God's got you. And he's not forcing, he is drawing you through that current that's trying to draw you away and he's drawing you to himself. The Bible says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But Paul realized this is what I want. This is what I need. And God said, I've got a better way. I'm not going to deliver you out of it. I'm going to deliver you through it. So that the next time you encounter something like this, you don't have to fear it because you remember how I brought you through the last time. God brought Israel through the Red Sea, through the Jordan at flood stages. God is a God that brings us through if we'll follow him. How many of you know if the Red Sea opened up and Israel said, no, I don't know if we can trust that they'd still be back where they were. And they'd be taken back captive to Egypt. And again, going into the promised land, across the Jordan. Oh, you know, that's a, that's a scary looking river. There are a lot of deadly currents in it. And God opens up a way and they say, I've never seen that before. I don't know if I can do that. You got to trust him. I've got to trust him. And walk it out. Following the spirit of God. And he said. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. In my weaknesses and frailties. I don't try and hide them. I don't try and go to God and show him how strong I am, how smart I am, how capable I am, because I need his strength and help and power and capability. He needs my obedience. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10 in the Amplified says this, For the sake of Christ, I am well pleased to take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardship, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak, then I am truly strong, able, powerful, in divine strength. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this. Again, he, he's, God doesn't just take us out of things and say, okay, I got you out of that one, good luck, don't get in there again. God cares too much to leave us alone. 
God was with Israel every step of the way in the wilderness, and they were in the wilderness because of their unbelief. But God didn't abandon them. God provided for them throughout their rebellion and their unbelief. God wants to provide for us, but God really wants to bring us into the fullness of what he's prepared. And it's up to us whether we're going to follow him, trust him, and obey him, or we're going to just keep going around in the wilderness. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. This is what God wants to do, but you and I have a part. Are we going to, as James said, James 4, 7, submit yourself to God? Are we going to go after God? Are we going to choose to make God's way the priority in our life? Then he can draw us out of because we're following him we're trusting him we're obeying him and he doesn't draw us out to leave us he draws us out to bring us in into a deeper richer more abundant fellowship with him so as we know him more fully more deeply more intimately more consistently we'll be walking through this world and not fearing anything we encounter because I want you to realize the Bible promises us that things are going to get darker more desperate more dangerous people are going to get more wicked and unloving and uncaring more hateful and yet we don't have to fear this because we have God and we've chosen to rely on God and God is faithful. He will bring you through and into. And so that's where he transfers us. He, he brings us deeper, fuller into the kingdom of his dear son. And just as we ended with Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, where it says, deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the what? The kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We have the kingdom of God. God's given us his kingdom, but what are we doing with it? And the question is, why are we not doing more with it? How valuable, how important is the kingdom of God to you? Because it, it, it plays into everything that we do every day, whether we're going to consider the kingdom or go in our own way. We're going to talk about this. It's important to see what the, the value that God's word puts on the kingdom of God and how we should value the kingdom of God. Because if we don't, we're going to be struggling the rest of our life instead of snuggling with God and walking through the things that would just overwhelm us. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, as we, we talked this morning about following God and the Spirit of God being in us and, and being led by the Spirit and, and the fact that, that His kingdom 
is at hand. It's with us wherever we go. That's true, not for everybody. It's true for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, who have recognized that they can't do it on their own and turned to trust, not in themselves anymore, not in their might or their power, but in God's might and in God's power, in God's love and in his spirit. And if you're here this morning or if you're online and watching this morning and you have never turned to Christ, recognized your need for a Savior, that he came and died on the cross to pay the price for your sin, and he wants you free, free to be able to experience a life that's filled with joy and peace and hope. An overflowing life. Not that you don't encounter what all of us encounter in the world, but no matter what you encounter, you overcome it because he's with you. And you're following him. But until that happens, we're on our own. We do the best we can, and yet sometimes we as Christians continue to live like we're on our own. But if you've never trusted in Christ, you are. You're the one that looks out for your life more than anybody else. But when we come to Christ, he's the one that then is able to work in our lives. God's able to work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you're here today and you've never, never asked Christ to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, come into your life to be Lord of your life, master. I want to pray with you this morning and you at home. And I'm going to ask us all to pray together. So let's, let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your son who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and was raised from the dead glorious and victorious. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I come to you to give you my life. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Cleanse me from all sin. Thank you for creating me in a new way. This is a new start with you, for you. And I thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer here, let somebody know. And it seems a little strange that I would ask you to do that, but we celebrate the new life that you just received. And, and we want to be a part of that, helping you to walk with the Lord and grow in the Lord. And if you at home prayed that prayer, uh, let us know that you prayed. Go to the website, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want us to contact you, give us some contact information, and we will get in contact with you this week. God is so good. God has so many great things ahead of us, and the enemy is so bad. 
and he wants to trip you up. But know that God will lead you up from glory to glory. Amen? Would you stand? Remember new members class. If you've been here for a while, and, and I'm not just saying this to you, I'm saying this every time we have a new members class, it's important that you get plugged in, you get connected where God has for you to be connected. The Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes tells us why connection is so important, so vital, and so helpful. And God has a place for every one of us to connect in a local body like this. And if this is the place, then show up. Show up and find out about this place and begin to make that connection strong. And if you're unsure, show up and find out about this place. And you may say, you know what? I know now that this isn't the place for me. But I will tell you this, there is a place for you. And you need to get to where God has for you to be. We live in a society that wants everything without any commitment, without any real connection. And that's not the kingdom of God. And so the Bible says that when you get plugged in, that there is, you experience life to a greater degree. And so we want you to be plugged in, whether it's here or somewhere else. If it's not here, you need to go and search out where it is. But if it is here, make the commitment, make the connection, and experience the life that God has for you in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. God is so good. I'm so excited about tonight. I'm so excited about this week. Why? Because God's got a plan. And his plan is a plan for victory. A plan to show forth his kingdom to you and through you. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for every one of your children. I thank you that you live big in us. That your spirit empowers us and imparts to us what we need. Not our might, not our power, but your spirit. That, Father, when the enemy tries to draw us away, that current starts to pull on us. The spirit of God rises up in us to impart to us the grace, the wisdom, the power we need to walk out and display the victory of Jesus Christ everywhere in everything as overwhelmingly more than conquerors, giving all glory and praise and honor to you. So, Father, we have great expectation of the great things you're going to do in us this week and through us, and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. have a great week.